Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. G'day everyone, welcome back to Ausbiz as we kick off the afternoon here live from our Barangaroo studios. It is time for the call. Uh, in one hour, we uh, cover 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel and uh, also we add in a stock of the day, uh, a company that's making news that's listed on the market and get an opinion on that as well. Uh, let's bring in the panel today, uh, Andrew Weiland from DP Wealth Advisory from Toowoomba, just loosening up because it's a <laughs> big bout against in the blue corner. <laughs> Henry Jennings from Marcus today. How are you, gents? Ready for a good hour? We certainly are, as always, Koshi. And of course, Koshi, we're normally on every second Wednesday, but when the call came on, no pun intended, you know, the super sub stepped up. up. (laughs) We have. Absolutely. He's come off the interchange bench and he is ready to fire, let me tell you. All right, this half hour, let's get straight into it. Uh, This half hour, we're going to talk uh, TPG Telecom, uh, BetaShares Asia Technology Tigers ETF, uh, the Charter Hall Long Whale REIT, uh, the Vanek MSCI International Quality ETF and Adairs. Uh, Stock of the day, uh, one of the former darlings of the market, certainly fallen from grace in recent times. Uh, Zip today announced its fourth quarter results for the three-month period ending 30th of June. Fourth quarter results showed a quarterly revenue of uh, $194 million. That's up 21% this year. Transaction volume for the quarter, $2.3 billion. Revenue margin for the core business improved 8.5%. Uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. What do you think of the the update from Zip? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest, Koshi. I'm, I'm sh- I think there's something there in Zip. I, I know the market hates it because it's come back such a long way. But I'm sh- I, I just get the feeling there is something more in Zip that we're, we're kind of missing. Oh, I was just doing some numbers before... Uh, before the show, just looking at the average transaction value in the US, uh, which is uh, $185, uh, whereas uh, in Australia, it's $83. I'm not sure how significant that is. I guess that, you know, the problem with Zip has been, well, there's been many, but um, the, the biggest problem for them at the moment is still this convertible overhang that they have uh heading into the next couple of years now they have addressed that part of the attraction i guess is they have been addressing that this year and uh have made some moves to do that let me just shut that up uh have made some moves to address the convertible issue and uh that that's certainly a positive you know transaction volumes are up 
we have seen the U.S. consumer, cons- you know, it's it's kind of hanging in there. I I still think this one that there's there's something there that the market is missing, um, and I think that for me it is it is a I wouldn't say it's a buy. It is definitely a, a nibble if you are a speculative investor. Uh, they talk about being well funded. Uh, they also talk about sufficient cash and liquidity to support the company. They are talking about cash EBITDA profitability during the first half of next year, which isn't that far away, to be honest. Uh, so I, I think the market has just really hated this one. Mm. And it is just showing signs that maybe that hate is misplaced, at least for the short term. The convertible issue still for me is, is the biggest thing. They, they haven't solved all of the problem there, but they've certainly addressed a lot of that problem. And it just shows, I guess, that that problem is addressable. So for me, it is, uh, I guess, a speculative buy. Okay. Andrew, one of the big things with, with Zip is that it's rebuilding its reputation, isn't it, uh, with the markets. And, you know, as Henry was saying, from a business point of view, it was a pretty good update. But is it enough to have that first block of rebuilding the reputation? Yeah, look, Koshi, um, you're right. Like the whole buy now, pay later sector's sort of been under a bit of a cloud, hasn't it? You know, you've got individual names that have got particular issues. But if we then take it back a step and certainly the change in government um, and, you know, what potential changes are coming around buy now, pay later, uh, are there going to be more stringent credit checks and in an now, environment now Zip, where Now, Zip just... say they've always had that. They've been the only one to have credit checks. Yeah. Yes, but correct. Ooh, but they, I don't like your tone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but. Yes. Respectfully, <laughs> Respectfully, David. Um, I... <laughs> I, I would argue that there's going to be a higher level of compliance put on all businesses. And even though you have been sort of applying a certain measure yourself, which might be greater than the, the, the rest of your cohort, there's still going to be more compliance pain coming, if I can right. put it that way. Slower uh, so, um, approvals for clients, more cost on onboarding them. Uh, probably the key thing to Henry's point is that short interest, so, you know, the market actually starting to believe their story, short interest is falling. So, in other words, people shorting the company, expecting the share price to fall, has dropped significantly. Mm. Um, so, mm. I guess I'm with Henry. I think this is probably a spec buy, not because I'm a believer in the business or, in fact, even a believer in the sector. I mean, I think retail remains challenging as well. But sentiment is turning and as we can see with the share price today up about 8%, I, I think in the short term there might be a little bit of a bounce in this, but it is definitely not an investment. It is a punt. Okay, okay. So, so Henry, do you agree with that, that it would be a short-term bounce or is this the start? Would you call it the start of the comeback or do you need uh, a couple more similarly positive updates? Uh, the thing that I really liked about this, uh, I guess, was those U.S. credit loss rates, 0.85% yeah. of total transaction value. It was 1.2% in the third quarter of FY23 and 2.7% oh, in the fourth quarter of FY22. So clearly, you know, the, the company, I guess, to some extent, is sacrificing volume 
and total transaction growth for the sake of improving the credit quality, which I guess goes to the heart of compliance. And, and if we're mm. going to have further compliance and credit checks on these sorts of companies, which I, I'm sure is going to happen at some stage, these guys seem already to be doing that and not just taking mm. any Tom, Dick or Harry as far as their uh, zip account goes. So I, I think that for me is is important. You know, Larry Diamond's got 55 million reasons to want this to go up. Yeah. Um, and uh, Peter Gray, who's a lovely guy I interviewed on a podcast, uh, again, has many reasons for this to go up. I, I think I think the times are changing, mm. to quote Mr. Dillon. Both Larry and Peter as founders, and it's a founder-led business, uh, which is yeah. good. They have a lot of interest there. Uh, Andrew, have you seen any buying? You go through the director's interests of the founders been buying or selling. Did you notice on this? Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't look closely enough, Koshi, right. so I'll have it. I'll take those uh, homework in the next hour. Okay. All right, done. All right, let's get into uh, the stocks you want us to take a look at. And Henry Shabu wants a view on TPG uh, Telecom. Funnily enough, we had Chuas on uh, just two or three days ago as well, the uh, the Singapore sort of linked, if you like, by the, the same entrepreneur uh, back in the day. Uh, what do you think of T- TGB in the TPG in the telco sector? Um, to be honest, Koshi, it has been a bit of a dog, mm. uh, to say the least. Um, you know, and it has had that uh, that regional network sharing agreement with Telstra uh, knocked back as well by the ACCC. So th- that has certainly not helped matters in terms of their canine qualities. I guess for me, down here, having been whacked so hard, it, it, it's probably a hold. It is a bit ho-hum. I guess, you know, we're hoping for momentum in mobiles. We're hoping for pricing power. We've certainly seen that with Telstra putting up the prices of their mobile plans. uh, And that's something that TPG obviously can do as well. Um, Brokers tend to be a little bit ho-hum on this one, I have to say, and not particularly enamored in terms of the the model. But if they can get through some some margin expansion through those uh, pricing of their mobile plans, et cetera, and some of their internet plans, maybe. And it has fallen a long way. It sort of formed a bit of a base at $4.80. It's now back up to $4.90. You know, you could easily see this back up to $5.20. I, I, it's, it's hard to get excited about it, but then, um, you know, it, it, Telstra has proved that even uh, though it's hard to get excited about Telstra, it has just been a solid mm. grind higher for Telstra. Uh, I know today they've uh, announced some uh, some big layoffs as well which is going to be interesting. But I, I think this one has got you know, maybe 20 cents upside, but it's, it doesn't really um, doesn't really get me out of bed in the mornings, I've got to say, Koshi. It's, so, it's not one that comes on my radar so very often. So a hold often. or...? Um... It, it's probably, a, for people who've got it, it's probably a hold here. The damage has been done. That ACCC decision has been done. It has some pricing power, obviously. Uh, there are inflationary pressures in the system. We know all about those. Uh, but it probably has been a little oversold, okay. so we could see a twenty cent bounce if if that's your bag, baby. Yeah, knock yourself. So out. you're not a fan of Telstra either, as, as I, I, a, no, no, an alternative. I, I do like Telstra. Telstra oh, okay. has been the quiet little achiever, and uh, you know, with with really what they're doing, I guess, with uh, Starlink as well, which I think was kind of going to be eating their lunch in the regions because it's it's so good, so quick, and uh, you know. You've got to wonder why we spent all that money on MBN. Yep. I mean, 
really? <laughs> uh, it was always going to be outdated very quickly, yeah. and you do have to uh, wonder why. But, uh, you know, I think Telstra is still quality. Clearly, they've got uh, some organizational issues with these latest job cuts. But, uh, you know, the Andy Penn legacy is, is firm. It is almost a tech company in a cardi still, and they do have that pricing power because they, you know, I was down at Mount Hotham at the weekend uh, having a bit of a ski, and it becomes pretty apparent when you're outside of uh, the big cities that you do need Telstra. Even my mm. Optus phone was struggling to find a signal and struggling yep. to be able to use the hotspot as I pretended to be at work. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they've got great. They certainly have got great coverage. And Andrew, let's yeah. start start with TPG for you, and then let's throw in Telstra. Whether that's a better alternative for you or not. Yeah, I mean, TPG has been pretty uh, pretty disappointing, and I'm just looking at the revenue mix. It's about two thirds enterprise and government, and only one third retail. So you'd have to think the pricing is going to be pretty tight on those government enterprise contracts. So it's going to be hard for them to get any sort of meaningful uplift in the short term. It's been pretty underwhelming from a shareholder return point of view, uh, down about 14% over the last 12 months. And over the last five years, total return about 0.4 of 1% per annum. So you've actually been better just leaving your money in the piggy bank, frankly, uh, relative to sort of the broader share market. So I can think of lots of reasons not to be there. So certainly TPG is a hold, um, but it's definitely not a buy. Okay. All right. And Telstra float your boat. Yeah, well, so and sorry, thank you, Takashi, because the other thing I was going to mention, TPG's um, PE, lots of acronyms, 29 times uh, for a business that's not really doing a lot, whereas with Telstra, 23 times. Now, okay. again, it's above the market average, but you know, why would I pay 20% more, 30% more for TPG's earnings when I can buy a business like Telstra that's uh, doing a far, far, far better job? So no, yeah. certainly I'd be far more relaxed with Telstra than I would with TPG. All right. Okay, our next stock, uh, or a tiny wants a view, on the beta shares Asia Technology Tigers ETF. And because we have the... Uh, the ETF whisperer <laughs> on the program, and Andrew Wyland. Uh, Andrew, just keep your voice up uh, while you're talking about uh, the beta shares of Asia Technology Tigers ETF. Sorry, I just, uh, I just grabbed my lozenger, you know, <laughs> sort of uh, <laughs> got to protect the vocal cords, Goshi. Right, right. uh, um, Asia, you know, talking about canines, uh, Asia, <laughs> certainly there for the last 18 months, has been a real dog. Um, but of late, has started to sort of turn around more broadly as the market's appetite for risk has picked up. And really, a lot of that comes down to its exposure to semiconductors. About 20, 21% of this ETF is in semiconductors, things like um, TSMC and Samsung. So that's really what's sort of driving um, this one along. Um, it's, I guess my concern is that it's got about 45% of exposure to China. And what I mean by that is that the Chinese economy, as we know, is under a fair bit of pressure at the moment. You know, you've got names like Alibaba and Tencent in there, JD.com. And, it, you know, it's quite likely that the Chinese government will have to further stimulate the economy. But it, it'd be fair to say that their economy is under some pressure at the moment, be it internal consumption 
or, you know, some of this geopolitical stuff that's going on at the moment. So I don't mind it, uh, but, you know, is it sort of one that I'd be pounding the table saying it's a must-buy? It's not a must-buy. There's probably other ways that you can get exposure to different thematics. So if you're looking for semiconductor exposure, as an example, you do an ETF called, surprisingly, Semi. Um, or, you know, if you were sort of, and there's another one we're going to talk about in a minute that if you're trying to get that broader tech exposure. So it's even though the name is Asia, it isn't necessarily, I mean, it is Asian, but it's probably not the cut and thrust of what you'd expect Asia to be. So I think this one is a hold. Question. Okay. And, and when you want technology, I know Tiger technology funds in the past have been great, but have, have the American tech stocks just overtaken that sort of is when you're looking tech is Asia as sexy anymore as um, as the US which the the seven megatechs have really driven the US market for the last year the fabulous seven as my esteemed yeah. friend calls them um, gosh we've got 43 minutes haven't we where do I start um, I, I, I mean, very quickly, look at Microsoft yesterday. So Microsoft yesterday at their conference, um, Innovate, I think it's called, basically said, you know, if you want to have um, AI inside of your Office 365, we're going to charge you two and a half times what you're currently paying in your Office 365 subscription. Share price went up 5% or $150 billion US in market cap one company. So if I wanted technology exposure, I'd be far more inclined even, you know what, just to buy IVV, which is the broader S&P 500, which is about 28% tech and not even necessarily taking that much of a bend. I mean, there's other ETFs you can buy that wanted that exposure, but why wouldn't you just buy IVV and therefore buy the S&P 500? I'm not sure Asia has got it as much. Right. Yeah. What do you reckon, Henry? Well, this one has kind of crossed species, really, hasn't it? This, this, the tiger that's become a dog, and it really has um, been a bit of a dog, I have to say. You know, it's got um, TSMC, obviously, which is the big holding, as Andrew says, and Samsung. I guess, interestingly, you know, they talk about China um, slowing down and their economy being in trouble. I seem to remember a couple of days ago, we had a GDP number coming in at 6.3% for China, and all the US banks were then downgrading their GDP forecast to 5 to 5.5%. Now, I don't reckon that sounds like an economy in massive trouble. I know they fudge the numbers, but, you know, the US is growing at stuff all, and you've got the world's second biggest economy growing at 5, 6%, say, and we're all having conniptions about it. I, I... I, I'm a bit puzzled about that one. For me, as Andrew rightly points out, as, as the whisperer that he is, there are better bets. There are better ways to play this, I think. Uh, I, you know, There's still some concerns, I guess, about crackdowns on technology. This, we're a very uh, Western technology-centric kind of market. Uh, you know, when you look at Tencent and the JD.coms, et cetera, we tend to look, you know, you know what, let's go Google and Facebook and uh, all the technology platforms. And Andrew's absolutely right in terms of that Microsoft pricing power that they have. 30 bucks uh, is a big hit. And I, I wrote, I was writing this morning about how, you know, the uh, the Internet boom of the, uh, of the early 2000s, it was all about getting eyeballs to your website. Mm. It was all about that. Everything was free. Now we have people talking about this bubble in, in tech stocks, uh, of which you know, NVIDIA, et cetera, from AI is this bubble. But 
we are now so used to paying subscriptions. Yep. You know, the free stuff, the chat GPT free is the gateway drug to Office 365 with AI and another 30 bucks. These big behemoths are, are going to monetize AI far quicker than we saw back in the early 2000s with the dot-com boom. I think there are better ways to play it. This is not for me. I don't really understand the mm. JD.com's, the on high precision industry company with three and a half percent of this one. I'd rather go elsewhere. I'd oh. rather go to uh, to the, the big US stocks that do have this pricing power and now the way to monetize AI. Yep. Okay. Uh, and next dog on the Excuse me, I know you're not a huge fan of uh, REITs, Henry, but uh, Peter wants a view on the Charter Hall Long Whale REIT. So um, the whale, W-A-L-E, is what weighted average lease expiry or whatever it is. Uh, So even though it's in commercial property, its rents are locked in for many years to come. So is that insulated? Or if there is a commercial property REIT, that's insulated from the downturn in commercial property, would this be it? Um, certainly this is, I mean, this is quality charter hall, quality manager of, uh, of uh, assets. Uh, they've got 549 properties, uh, which have just been independently valued. I do question the independence because who's paying for <laughs> the independent valuation? The company itself is paying for those independent valuations, but they're as independent as you can get, I guess, in the system. Uh, the hit they took from that valuation was around 5.8% in the book value. Um, so the overall portfolio is decreasing. You know, I, I do, I do have, this is a quality company. Let's not make any bones about it. This is one of the good guys in the REIT space. I just have some concerns. One, I'm not a big fan of the whole REIT space. No. Generally, it doesn't really float my boat, with the exception perhaps of Goodman Group, which has been uh, great for investors and has been an absolute uh, standout performer on the back of logistics and online, etc. Um, but I do get concerned. I read forever about uh, reports in the US about commercial property valuations being a big problem to come. You know, there's plenty of offices and plenty of retail struggling at the moment to find tenants. Uh, I know these are long-term leases, so it doesn't have the same problems. But, you know, we've seen before in the US where if you've got a problem in one part of that sector, it can be contagious. So it, it's, it's, you know, it's probably a hold because of the quality and it's, you know, it, it does have that uh, defensive nature because of so many properties. But yeah. I, I, I would find it hard to get excited in the mornings, race out of bed and press the buy button on this one. Okay. Andrew, a 5% devaluation in property is a big difference to the 30% discount on book value that a lot of REITs and particularly office REITs at the moment are going for it. Yeah, Koshik, and we've we've discussed this probably the last 12 months. So you're quite right. Like the average REIT has fallen 20, 30%, big discount to NTA. So the argument from the uh, listed guys and girls and REIT land is we are being treated like an ATM. People are just trying to get out of that. They're worried and they'll just sell at any price. We take our minds back to the GFC, as painful as that is, the average one fell by 70%. So 20 to 30% without being flippant mm. isn't too bad compared mm. to how it's been previously. The unlisted guys and girls up until the last month or so are going, look at us, nothing to see here, <laughs> everything's great, we're holding our values. 
and then all of a sudden the tide has finally gone out and you've seen a few buildings be revalued and now we're seeing 5, 10, 15% devaluation. So I guess my point is this, Koshi, and I will get there. The, the, the REIT guys and girls, it's been overdone. The unlisted guys and girls, they are in fantasy land as well. And what will end up happening is we're going to meet somewhere in the middle. You know, it'll be right. probably about 10, 15%. Part of it will be a function of what happens with interest rates as well. And, you know, despite what we saw with those employment numbers today, we've probably only got two more rate rises to go. So to the question at hand around Charter Hall, quality managers can't doubt that at all. We use Charter Hall here a lot in the unlisted space. Um, and to Henry's comments around sort of working from home and all that sort of stuff, I mean, it's a huge uh, risk to the whole sector. Not big exposure for CLW. It's about 20-odd percent. They're most heavily exposed to, like, hospitality at 22 percent. They've got industrial, and industrial and logistics is actually holding up pretty well in this whole sort yeah. of mess yeah. at the moment. So. I can't bring myself to buy it though, Koshi, because the whole sector is under pressure. If I was so inclined, which I'm not, but if I was so inclined, I'd be more inclined to buy like VAP from Vanguard, which owns the top 29 REITs across the, the country. But I just think there's more cut pain coming. There's more negative press across the whole sector. It's not charter hall specific. It's just a sector specific issue. Yeah. So on that basis, yeah. it's a whole. But, but you're saying if, if there's a quality REIT at a 30% discount and valuations will end up 15% down, there's a 15 or 20% overcorrection to come back for a lot of those REITs. They'd be goodbye. Why wouldn't I buy, wouldn't I buy Qual, Koshi? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why don't you ask me the question? I did. Why wouldn't you? So are we leading into the next one? Is that, is that where we're going? <laughs> Sounds like it. Nothing else for to uh, The MSCI International Quality ETF, but that's but that's a, that's not REITs, though. Michael wants to be on that. It's not, but... but... Sounds like I'm having a second go at you in the last 26 minutes, Koshi. No, that's not, good. Just to be clear for the humble, humble <laughs> viewer and listener, Koshi and I get along super well. We were just discussing it before. Our, yeah, exactly. Our, uh, our, love, for each, our love for each other. Um, no, what I'm saying, Koshi, is that that 15% differential will close eventually. Yeah. But what's the trigger? How long is it going to be? Is it going to be six months, nine months, yeah. 12 months? Good Why point. wouldn't I buy Qual or something else that's on the move at the moment and I can always sell it off and then buy these REITs or yep. VAP or Good whatever point. back. So yep. that's why I'm a no. All right. So what about Qual then? All <laughs> oh, right. The Vanet Quality ETF. I yeah, thought yeah. you would never ask. <laughs> I thought you would never ask. Which we know it's a foundation of your super fund, is it? It is. Yep. It is. Henry, what do we call it? The one ETF to rule them all. <laughs> <laughs> My <Sorry>. precious. <laughs> Actually, you look a bit like Gollum sometimes. <laughs> of all the oh. of all the characters. All right. So, oh, yes. so has oh, your man. has your opinion changed on Qual or not? 
No, not at all. It is indeed a foundation stone ETF. And for those who uh, have just joined AusBiz, and I'm not sure where you've been for the last three years, but welcome, we'll just give you a very (laughs) quick introduction as to why Qual is foundational. So as the name suggests, it is buying quality businesses. So it looks at the MISCI, the Morgan Stanley Capital Index, Exodus Australia, 1,549 companies and says, Let's screen for companies that have got high return on equity, low levels of debt, and steady to increasing earnings. I think we would all agree that that's the, the definition of a quality business. It finds 300 businesses that meets that criteria, and then it basically just buys them. Right. And so as you can appreciate, tech as an example is pretty he- heavily well represented because all the criteria I just ran through. It's about 32% tech. Uh, it's got names like NVIDIA, Apple, Microsoft. We just heard Microsoft went up 5% there yesterday. That wasn't unhelpful. Meta, Visa, Johnson & Johnson, etc. cetera. Uh, and the average return, excuse me, the average return for Qual over the MISCI, over that Morgan Stanley Capital Index, is around 2% per annum better return because it's screened out the 1,249 companies that aren't necessarily quality companies. So, yeah, I I cannot speak highly enough of this one. The only thing, Koshi, you need to bear in mind is if you're worried about the dollar, this is unhedged. You're worried about the dollar, you want to take that out of the equation, you'd buy QHAL. I own QAL. The dollar's not going anywhere in a hurry, in my in my view. It's one yeah. of, it's a core foundation holding in the Saran Super Fund. Yeah. It is a buy. Um, no and from memory, you like it as well, Henry. Is it a core holding in your portfolio? No, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, I certainly agree with Andrew in terms of uh, this is this is the one. If you're playing the ETF game. Uh, then this is the one ETF to rule them all. I guess my concern, apart from the fact, is when you look down the list of their biggest holdings, it is pretty much the Magnificent Seven uh, come riding over the horizon. NVIDIA, Apple, Microsoft, Meta, um, Alphabet. Um, You've got ASML in there at uh, 2.2% as well, the Dutch uh, company in the fab space. So you you are buying an... 32% 32% in information technology. It's it's you are buying a big slug of Nvidia, Apple, Microsoft, Meta, Alphabet, which has performed extraordinarily well. And I can't argue with that. And I've just gone through all the reasons why I think that will continue to be so. But just be aware of the concentration risk in this one. It, it is quality companies, and there's 300 of them. But when you dig and you look at what you're actually buying, you are buying the Magnificent Seven at the moment because those are the ones that are driving this thing uh, higher. It's been a stunning performer. Andrew's knocked it out of the park as usual. Um, the one ETF to rule them all is uh, the one ETF to rule them all. If you, if you buy nothing this year or if you buy nothing in the ETF land, you should have at least some qual in your okay. portfolio. All right. So do that as a yes, as well. uh, yes Andrew. Up the back. Wheel it. Up the back. Wheel it. Um, 
Yeah, Bueller. So uh, to Henry's point, spot on about IT, but I, I come back to the S&P 500 is 29% tech. So you're only getting 10% more exposure. If you're worried about tech, you probably want something like VEU from Vanguard, which is basically only 30% US, 70% um, non-US. Right. Uh, so really... It's not just the US issue, it's really a whole tech issue. Okay. All right. Uh, fifth stock, uh, Philip wants a view, Henry, on Adairs, the uh, listed homeware retailer. Yeah, who Adairs wins? Um, this, this, uh, this, I guess, has suffered alongside all the retail stocks. There's probably the only, there's a couple that have escaped the wrath. Of, actually, I think there's three that I can think of off the top of my head that have escaped the wrath of the market. Uh, Satire, Kogan, and uh, Temple and Webster uh, mm. have escaped the wrath of the market. Adairs uh, has obviously come out with some somewhat disappointing updates recently. And they've talked about uh, their trading update very recently. Higher interest rates and higher cost of living pressures obviously affecting them. Half uh, sales growth uh, in FY22 down three and a half percentage. Focus on furniture, that's a nasty one, down 10.9%. So we're obviously not as higgy as we were. Remember when we were all higgy mm. during COVID and we were building our nest and uh, going to Adairs and uh, online probably and uh, buying dunas and uh, towels and nice cushions, all that sort of stuff to keep you nice and warm. Clearly, we're not um, doing that at the moment. And I guess, you know, with the cost of living pressures out there, and we've seen today, you know, the market was looking up pretty positive at one stage before those jobs numbers came out, three and a half percent, you'd have to be scratching your head going, okay, RBA, well, you're going to rise rates again, and maybe again, um, this is not going to help these stocks at all. Um, it's not one of my favoured retail stocks. It has bounced off the bottom, uh, but I would be uh, not getting involved in this one, to be honest. It, at best, it's a hold. If you've had a nice little run off sort of a dollar thirty, dollar forty, and here we are, a dollar seventy, I'd be taking some profits. I have to say, I th you know, all the evidence points to the fact that things are going to get harder for a lot of mm. people before they get easier. Okay. This one will suffer. All right. Andrew? Yeah, I, again, retail, it's a hard space. It's, it's almost a REIT conversation. There is value being created there. And whoever's left standing at the end of this, uh, there's going to be some really good buys about. But I'm just not confident they're there yet. And again, that um, employment number that just came out or unemployment numbers it would be that just came out is not going to give the RBA any reason to pause. They are going to keep going up, uh, keep an increasing rate. So, and probably the tell for me, Koshi, short interest, people shorting it, it's rising significantly. Okay. So coming into reporting season, everyone's got the, the gun habit. If they happen to do a really good job, it will bounce significantly because the shorters will get caught with their pants down. But yeah, I'd be very surprised if that's the case. So it's okay. a hold. Okay. All right, let's recap the first five stocks. Uh, Zip, a speculative nibble, speculative buy from both, uh, <laughs> both, both Henry and Andrew after their update this morning. Uh, TPG, a hold from both, both preferred Telstra if you want to get into that telco sector and have exposure there. Uh, Beta Asia Tech, Tiger, uh, ETF, a hold from Andrew, a no 
uh, from Henry Charterhall, Long Whale, a, uh, a hold from both of them. Uh, Qual, the um, Foundation ETF, the ETF to beat all ETFs, uh, a yes from both, and Adairs, a hold from both. But if you've uh, had the run up, Henry is thinking you should take some profits at these levels. Uh, here on the call, we've been uh, following our own fantasy portfolio as chosen by our investment committee. You can look at the uh, most recent meeting, the July meeting at osbiz.com. Uh, let's check what the portfolio did. Uh, took some profits on Boss Energy, the uranium miner, and switched into Paladin, which hadn't had the lift in uh, in share price, so they still stayed in the uranium sector but switched horses. Interestingly, Kelsian was removed for Levisa. Uh, the committee, which included Henry Jennings, thought it was a good idea to start nibbling away at the retail sector, and they saw Levisa as the premier retail stock. Uh, the fund is up 7.5%. Um, this half hour, we're going to take a look at Origin, Brambles, BHP, Woodside, and the Lottery Corporation. Henry, Origin Energy. Yes. Stephen wants yes. a view on that. Origin, of course, the, the energy retailer. Um, AGL has had a massive lift in share price recently. Um, <laughs> these stocks were have been awful for a long time. A uh, bit of a turnaround in AGL, similar with Origin, do you think? No, um, for, the, for the simple reason, Koshi, uh, this one is under takeover by uh, Brookfield and EIG. There is a set price, and that is the deal at the moment. It, it, when the deal was announced, it was equated to $8.91. Uh, there is a mix between uh, cash and uh, a two, uh, in Aussie dollars and uh, cash in US dollars, $2.19 in US dollars. Uh, so we are waiting for regulatory approval for this one to go mm. through. ACCC has, uh, I think, until the 2nd of September uh, to uh, to work through the issues in this one. And and, and Brookfield and Mid-Ocean, which is the EIG entity that is responsible for this, uh, this scheme of arrangement, have been making all the right noises, have been trying to calm the nationalistic uh, kind of waters in terms of uh, strategic assets and how much they're going to invest. So, so that is all good. The interesting thing comes into play, and, and this applies, and I, I wrote something today on Blackmores because it's also an interesting thing there, is that for some investors, the $8.91 or whatever it works out when you talk, talk currency, because that was at 70 cents uh, Aussie, uh, when you work it out, there is potential for Origin to pay a dividend, which would be a special fully frank dividend. Now, obviously, mm. you have to talk to your accountant uh, about this, but clearly, you know, for different investors, a fully frank dividend has more value in your hand than just the dividend because of the franking that is involved there. So that is something to bear in mind. The market tends not to price that in because you can't take into account every kind of uh, tax bracket there and every kind of uh, sort of uh, fully frank scenario. But it does provide some opportunities. Now, obviously, you have to uh, abide by the 45-day rule in order to get the fully frank dividend unless you are a small shareholder with under 5,000 bucks worth of uh, 
franking coming back from uh, the tax office. So it's certainly something to talk to your accountant about. This one will stay where it is until we get the uh, the ACCC in September. Uh, is it a buy? Is it a hold? Is it a sell? Well, it's it's definitely a hold. It's probably attractive for some. As I say, that special fully franked dividend is okay. worth um, more in the hand. But eight dollars sixty-five with eight dollars ninety-eight, you know, nine bucks upside. You know, there's there's a you know there's a quid in it, but um, you know, it's so for that. But if the regulator knocks it back, yeah, if they do, I, I don't, to be honest, Koshi, I I mean, I'm no expert on on a triple C regulations. I've, I've you know some they do do not back on nationalistic grounds, but these guys are trying to play uh, the good guy here. And they're trying to talk about the investment they're going to put in, the changes they're going to make. The every, Everything they're doing is is the right thing. So uh, I think there's a, a pretty good chance this one will get through, I have to say. Okay. Um, what do you reckon, Andrew? Yeah, and just to follow on that point, like you wouldn't think that you'd be making such a huge takeover bid if you hadn't at least made even informal soundings to the ACCC and, you know, all the other relevant government bodies saying, look, is this half a chance? Hmm. Not looking for a firm guidance, but, you know, just are we on the right path? So, and I'm sure they would have got some the appropriate soundings that, yes, we need all the information, but on face value, there's nothing that's of an immediate concern to us. So certainly it could always be knocked back on regulatory, but you wouldn't think we'd get to the 11th hour and 59th minute to suddenly have that epiphany. You would think that there'd be some messaging occurring before that point. Um, I, I worked it out before uh, that it's around $9 is the value on the basis of where the Aussie dollar is at the moment. So there's, you know, 30, 35 odd cents upside in it. Um, I think it's probably worth a calculated risk. You know, you're sort of looking at about a 3% return over a short period of time, as Henry spoke about the franking credits, et cetera. But the risk is, albeit it's low, that the regulator comes out and says, sorry, too hard, and it goes back to seven bucks. So okay. that's that's your risk. So in all of that, are you a hold as well or a calculated oh, risk sorry. for a short term 3%? Yeah. So, so I'm, a, I'm a baseline hold. Right. And then if you, if you want a little bit of excitement in your life and, you know, self-managed super fund or whatever the case may be, it's certainly worth yeah. talking to your trusted advisor. Yes, as to whether exactly. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, short-term profit with the tax implications of that. Um, Andrew, Johnny wants a view on Brambles, the, uh, what do we call it, the old-style logistics uh, organisation as against WiseTech, which is the new age technology driven. We brambles, we go back to chip pallets. Yeah, but Koshi, they've also got pricing power, you know, yeah. and they're in, an, in, an, in an inflationary environment, you want businesses that have got pricing power like Amcor. Uh, have done a really good job in sort of passing through those costs where, you know, and again, we'll have a better idea next month when we're fully fully into um, reporting season, but there'll be plenty of companies bemoaning the fact that they haven't got, pro uh, haven't been able to pass through their pricing uh, and, you know, therefore their price uh, takers, whereas Brambles is actually a price maker. Uh, 
exposed to the US and Europe. So again, if we're worried about the US potentially falling into recession and or Europe being in recession, that's probably an, an amber light for them. And it's not cheap. I mean, it's 18 times earnings, so you're paying the market, but they are um, growing their earnings or forecast to grow their earnings by about 9% next year. But importantly, Koshi, that return on equity, you know, you're looking for a number probably north of 15, 16%, they have a 25% return on shareholders' funds. That's great. And a 10% margin for such a big business. Mm. So it's a quality mm. business. Uh, it is certainly a hold. Right. Uh, and if you're worried about inflation sticking around for a little while, then it's a buy. But my baseline would be it's a hold. A hold. Okay. Henry, do you disagree? Uh, no, I can't disagree with Andrew. He is spot on as usual. He is not just a pretty face, uh, which is just. Oh, well, that's well. debatable too. It is debatable, but I've been, but I've been mean to him about that. You've called him, you've gone from Gollum to a pretty face. I know. I know. Well, I've got to sort of pull it back a little bit, otherwise I'll be emailing <laughs> after the show and apologising, etc. So I've got to pull it back a little bit. Uh, Brambles, yes, a hold. It's funny. It's 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 such an embedded part of our lives to some extent. Wooden pallets, aren't they? Yeah. Um, we hardly ever talk about brambles we we never talk about it in the newsletter it's it's kind of weird we never talk about it obviously it is geared to economic growth to some extent shifting stuff around the planet on wooden pallets is uh you know more activity more pallets etc um they've done pretty well uh, i gotta say lumber prices are off as well i think when i looked uh, lumber prices are down 13 percent for the year mm. which is obviously good for brambles because you've got to make those wooden pallets out of something, uh, especially in the US. It's not expensive compared to its peers, not that it has too many peers. It is kind of, as Andrew rightly points out, it's a price uh, maker rather than a price taker. They did make the decision which gave them the big fillip up, I guess, uh, earlier this year. I think it was when they decided not to go uh, plastic fantastic. Uh, and uh, push into the US with plastic pallets, would have, which would have created a, uh, a capex issue for them because they would have had to sort of re-gear, retool and refocus on plastic rather than wood. It is, um, you know, the, the, the yield's not spectacular. Andrew has rightly points out that it's not, you know, it's not massively out of line with the market. It's cheap compared to its peers. It's probably a hold here, to be honest. Uh, brokers have got price targets in the 15 plus. But uh, it's it's hard to get excited about it. Mm. But it's a pretty it's just part of the furniture, isn't it, Brambles? Yeah. Yep, yep, absolutely. Part of the furniture, but, literally, in some cases. But People when make, you when you look at that chart, it's a pretty good, steady performer for you during uncertain times. And and the big kicker has been that uh, that decision on the on the plastic, yep. uh, you know, um, wrapped in plastic. Yep. Uh, that uh, they made. So that, that was the big decision which really helped them sort of readjust and re-rate. Uh, but since then, it's been kind of a bit mm. higgledy-piggledy. Okay. All right. But it's certainly uh, Not excited by brambles. Are you excited by BHP, Henry? Noah wants to know. The, uh, the biggest trade and our biggest resource stock? Um, BHP, it's... I don't know. Is it is it exciting? I'm not. Sh We've had the production numbers out this morning, which are good. The iron ore uh, guidance is is solid. 
Uh, in fact, everything was solid with the BHP number this morning. Uh, pretty much not dissimilar to Rio in some respects. So you can extrapolate production numbers. You can extrapolate prices realized for BHP. And therefore, you know, the analysts will come up with a profit number. What you can't do to some extent is predict how generous or mean-spirited BHP are going to be with the dividend. Mm. Uh, and that is something we can't... Uh, can't focus on too much but also the other problem with bhp is they are at the you know they are hostage to commodity prices and we we've yet to see and we keep waiting and the market has been pregnant with hope that we will get uh, the bazooka stimulus from china as we have seen in the past we have had no bazooka no the bazooka is missing and uh, we have had a, the odd sniper rifle out there picking off a few uh, few things but there has been no bazooka and the iron ore price has been languishing a little bit. Mm. Copper is languishing as well. So it is kind of hard to get excited about BHP. Uh, and the market, I think, is a bit ho-hum on it at the moment. Bear in mind, you know, it's 10 or 11% of the index. So if you like the index, you have to go with BHP to some extent. But I think resources still, despite the fact, as I said earlier, that China's growing at a pretty rapid clip, uh, compared to the rest of the world, but everybody's going, oh, that's no, terrible, uh, you know, 6.3% GDP, we're yeah. going to mark it down. Um, we haven't seen it in commodity prices, and that, that's the, that's the okay. problem uh, at the moment. Sideways, hold, quality, quality management. Mike Henry is very good. Uh, it's got a good yield, and they haven't right. done anything dumb, so it's a hold. Okay. Um, the Chinese, Andrew, have, have, uh, have, have changed their armament, haven't they, for uh, stimulus? Because normally China, when they stimulate, uh, when they stimulate, go for infrastructure, go for property. Well, they've got too much property. Infrastructure's gone overboard. So they're focusing on banks and saving, pro <coughs> excuse me, saving property developers rather than building new property. So it's quite different. Yeah, and in the past, you know, China stimulus would have mean you go Rio, you go BHP, yeah, and as you said, you know, they've changed the uh, the tools. But you've got to look at who are the other clients of BHP. So other countries um, include South Korea, mm. uh, includes Japan. But you might remember I've been banging on recently about India. Yeah, uh, and they have meaningful exposure to India as well. So, if you're a believer in the greenification thematic, you're a believer in the electrification thematic, then BHP should be part of the mix. But to my learned friend's point, is it value? It's not value at these points. It's trading in line with consensus. Um, I selfishly, you know, uh, meanly would want to wait until it gets into the 40s, as in low 40s. That's sort of when you get on top of it. The way I play this for the famous Iran Superfund, thank you for asking, Koshi, MVR is how I play this one. So it's a mix of a whole range of commodity companies, including the one we're about to talk about as well. Oh, OK. Well, let's, well, let's get straight into the one you're talking about. Uh, Andrew, William wants a view on Woodside that picked up all of BHP's oil assets when they decided to uh, to hide them off. You're very strong at this segue stuff, Koshi. It's almost yeah. like you've done TV before. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. Just give or take 20-odd years. Um, 
So no, look, we I don't mind Woodside, and as you said, you know, um, if you're a BHP shareholder, and the numbers are escaping me, I think it was every 5.5 BHP you ended up with a Woodside share, and that was what 12, 18 months ago, and that worked out to be a cracking distribution for you because not only has Woodside done okay, but also you got some great dividends along the way as well. It's a top ten top ten energy company by production by volume. Um, but probably the concern is more so just around a slowing global economy and that what that's doing to the oil price because the oil price has come back significantly. We're sort of back in the 70s, 80 cents mark. It's an ASX top 10 company, uh, but that dividend is under a fair bit of pressure. So I, I think it's probably a hold if we're talking Woodside, similar to, like I just said, with BHP as well, if they were to come off another 10%. But again, coming back to uh, MVR, number one holding an MVR is BHP number two holding is Woodside. So mm. to me, that's the best way to play it. But if you had to choose BHP versus Woodside, I probably would do neither because I don't think either are fully valued. Sorry, neither are fairly valued. But if they were to pull back 10%, I'd probably do BHP marginally over Woodside. Mm. But Woodside is a quality business. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Henry, everyone thought the, uh, the oil price would be shooting the lights out. OPEC, I think, Every month for the last three or four months has said we're going to cut production, cut production, cut production. And the oil price keeps going down or going sideways. Uh, yes, it has been going down and going sideways. It has picked up recently, though. I have to say uh, we are seeing the oil price creep back up. It may be going a little bit unnoticed, but at one stage you know, we had WTI under 70 bucks, and, and it's now well and truly above that into the mid-70s. So we have seen Brent up towards 80 as well. So it is creeping up, to be sure. Um, with Woodside, quality, again, as Andrew says, quality company, uh, Meg O'Neill's doing a, a pretty good job there. There are some issues around it, of course, as there always is, and it is very much geared towards the LNG price, which is, uh, I guess, to some extent, a function of supply and demand, but also a function of uh, the oil price as well. Brokers do tend to have a bit of a higher price target on this one. I, I think, you know, we're seeing some interesting um, climate issues emerging in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment, especially as it's, it's getting to be astronomically hot. Uh, we're seeing the coal price creep up a little bit because of all the uh, energy that is needed for power generation to power all that air conditioning. And uh, Woodside and maybe the oil price will creep higher on the back of that as well. We've just had their uh, production report out. Mm. We had a 5% um, decline in the second quarter for their production uh, down to 44.5 million barrels uh, of oil equivalent and a 4% decline in sales revenue. It didn't stop the stock actually picking up a little bit yesterday on the back of that, but it's down today. Uh, there is some big capex on the horizon. They have got some uh, maintenance issues coming as well. It's, it's definitely a hold. If you like the oil price to creep back above 80, 85 bucks, which I, I'm sensing that maybe at some stage it will, mm, okay. then uh, I think Woodside would be you know, it's the only way to play it really in Australia if you want to go big and you want to go reliable. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, it is the top end of this trading range at the moment. So, yeah, okay. I, I'm, it's a hold. It's a it's a hold. And if, but if you like the oil price to go higher, which I, I figure a little bit of that upside there, then it may be a nibble on any kind of weakness. OK. Uh, in the fantasy portfolio, we have Karoon in there instead of... Uh, like that one. Mm. Like, like that one. Uh, final stock, Elijah. Henry wants a view on the Lottery Corporation. 
The Lottery Corporation. Um, yes. I mean, this is um, this has actually been quite volatile, considering it's not a particularly volatile business, really. And it, and it does, I guess, to some extent, uh, lotteries are the almost acceptable form of gambling, to some extent. If, if you're talking about pokies and sports betting and whatever, lotteries tend to be the acceptable face of gambling and higher jackpots do tend to give more players uh, a bit of an inspiration to uh, to punt on the lottery. And of course, the other thing is that it is defensive. Even in tough times, uh, people like that hope that they could win the, the yep. big one. There's there's a lottery in America at the moment. It's got a billion dollar yep. prize. That's huge. Um, so, you know, it's not uh, not expensive, fair value, trading at around 16 and a half times uh, FY24 EV to EBITDA. So it is not expensive. I've got to say, it's it's hard to get massively excited about this one. It is defensive. It is solid. It is good management. It's, it's the acceptable face of gaming. But would I buy it? No. I like a little more sex and sizzle in my life, okay. as you know, uh-huh. Koshi. Mm. Um, I like a little bit more excitement. I'm an adrenaline junkie, and, and this really doesn't do it for me. Okay. All Hold. right. <laughs> yes, this is the R-rated version of the call, Andrew. Sorry to offend there. Um, but they are getting big jackpots, aren't they, because of the regulators allow them to with the commonly termed frame, the accelerated jackpot sequencing algorithm uh, was changed with government support to allow them to have bigger jackpots uh, more often. That's where they make the money. Um, what do you reckon with the Lottery Corp? Well, that most recent one, was it $100 million or whatever it was? Yeah. That's one in two Australians. I was one of them. I knew I had no chance, but I thought, well, you've got to be in it to win it. And I'm sure lots of people thought exactly the same thing. So um, I think from, I think from the uh, defensive nature of the business, it's mm. certainly something to think about. But then, you know, you look at, say, the and it's not a fair comparison, but hopefully you get to the point, you know, with the recent changes that the Victorian government are introducing relating yeah. to the gaming changes there. As an example, obviously, the yeah. New South Wales state election and how the new government there wants to treat gambling and gaming, there's going to be pressure on that sector. So, and I, Henry's point, you know, 28 times earnings, PE 28 relative to the market 18, you're paying nearly double for defensiveness but an uncertain regulatory environment. So on that basis, I'm a no. Right, okay. All right, let's read. Oh, sorry, in parlance, it's a hold. It's not a sell, it's oh, a hold. It's a hold, Okay. Uh, because I was going to say the uh, we broke the mould for the last half hour there. Let's uh, recap the final five stocks. Hold from both uh, Andrew and Henry on Origin. Same for Brambles. Same for BHP. Same for Woodside. This is holds all <laughs> round. Uh, the Lottery Corp is a no from Henry, but a hold from Andrew. So we well, had, it was more a hold. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and. <laughs> It's all because of Henry's uh, romantic side that he decided a no for Lottery Corporation. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Always great to catch up. Andrew Wyler from DP Wealth Advisory in Dorba. Great to see you too. All right. Uh, Thank you for joining us for the call. We'll be back same time uh, tomorrow with another edition. Look, if you've got any stocks you want me to put to our uh, expert panel, like Andrew and Henry, they're 
incredibly informative and great entertainment as well, aren't they? So I love getting the two of them together. Uh, if you've got any stocks you want us to run our eye over or the expert panel to run their eye over, um, go to osbiz.co forward slash call picks, list them there or tweet us using the at TV handle. The Pulse is next on Osbiz. Don't go away. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.